Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, why summertime is the perfect opportunity to teach kids important lessons about taking control of their money, and we have tools to help parents do just that. Also this morning, once they get a little older and are ready to tackle more than just the basic money skills, the Financial Fitness Initiative can help. We'll have details. In case you missed it, Findlay's Family Resource Center is transitioning all of their adult and youth services to a single location and hosting an open house later today. We'll get details. And cruises are popular vacation options, but have you ever thought about cruising out of the port of New York City? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, May 8, 2023. So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, this will not do much to promote the electrification of our automotive fleet. Consumer Reports survey published in March shows a 350% increase in consumer demand for battery-powered electric vehicles from 2020 to 2022. And, of course, uh, manufacturers are uh, continuing to push forward their electric vehicle manufacturing, thinking this is the way of the future. Um, Another Consumer Reports analysis uh, from last year showed the average EV owner could save uh, somewhere around $2,000 or so in operating and maintenance costs alone for every 15,000 miles that they drive uh, because they're much lower maintenance. There are fewer moving parts. You don't have to change the oil or anything like that. So EVs cost less to maintain overall. But, and this is the big but in this story, that is probably not going to do much to push the electric vehicle transition. High electricity prices combined with softer gas prices, have made EVs actually more expensive to drive on a daily basis than gas-powered cars. As of the end of 2022, according to a report published by the Anderson Economic Group, in the fourth quarter, typical mid-priced internal combustion engine cars, gasoline-powered cars, um, cost about $11.29 in fuel for every 100 miles of driving. And that cost, again, as of the fourth quarter of 2022, that cost was around 31 cents cheaper than the amount paid by mid-priced EV drivers to charge their vehicles at home to drive that same 100 miles. Electricity costs going up, gas prices coming down, and so it's actually more expensive to charge your electric vehicle than it is to fuel up with gas. Um, And that says nothing about, that's for those who charge at home. If you use a commercial charger, like those Tesla superchargers and so on for the cost, uh, it can actually be $3 more per 100 miles of driving to charge up your electric vehicle than to uh, fill up at the pump. So that's not going to do much to promote Electric vehicles. I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting there. I have a hybrid, so I don't have to plug it in and still get uh, many of the benefits of uh, electric 
vehicles with the higher gas mileage and all of that. I think that's, I mean, I still think that's where we are. Uh, I think it's uh, still a few years out from full electrification. We'll see. But uh, anyway, opinion, I thought that was kind of interesting. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Uh, This is kind of interesting. A new estimate from the CDC finds that one in three Americans are obese. One in three. Now, obesity in this case defined as having a body mass index of 30 or higher. And they break this down by state. Uh, Believe it or not, some states have obesity rates of 40% or higher. West Virginia, the highest rate of obesity at 40.7% of the population uh, obese. That is just alarming. Uh, On the high end of the list, after West Virginia comes Alabama, Kentucky, and Oklahoma, uh, with rates of 40.4, 40.3, and 39.6% of the population, respectively. So uh, the top three states, (coughs) excuse me, are all over 40% obesity. Um, And, of course, obesity increases the risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, stroke, etc., etc., etc. So this is concerning because it really uh, speaks to the cost of public health and health care in the larger sense. On the other end of the spectrum, the top three least obese states are Massachusetts, Hawaii, and Colorado, the least obese of all. And I think it's like a quarter of the percent. Even the least obese state, one in four, uh, roughly, are obese. So even at our best, uh, we could be doing much better. By the way, Ohio, and this was... Rather alarming. Ohio ranks ninth most obese overall. We're in the top 10 with an obesity rate in this state of 37.5%. So get on your bicycle, start walking, jogging, get outdoors in this nice weather, and uh, get active and uh, start shedding some of those. I don't mean to shame people, but again, we're talking about uh, translation into some pretty significant health care costs here. So. It should be inspiration to uh, get yourself into better shape. Uh, this is the latest story <clears throat> that we have to be worried about this morning. The rise of artificial intelligence. This is actually a really serious story here. The rise of artificial intelligence generated content, AI generated content, has exploded uh, just in the past several months because of the accessibility and ease of use of the tools that allow people to create hyper-realistic synthetic media. That's kind of interesting the way they uh, term that. Uh, hyper, hyper-realistic hyper synthetic media. Basically, and I saw uh, something on Facebook the other day. Uh, it was a, it looked to be a real human being speaking to you on a video, but the entire thing was AI generated. Uh, the actual person doing the speaking, the voice, the whole thing, all AI generated is not a real person. It's just really amazing what they can do now. And this is uh, causing concern over these deep fakes that are out there because a large percentage of them, according to this report, are pornographic materials. Um, and they are using real people uh, as the basis for this 
uh, AI-generated content. So in other words, it could be your facial features or my facial features or anyone's facial features uh, that are being used non-consensually to create porn online. And obviously this is most often happening without the subject's permission. Um, the, uh, there is a new piece of legislation being introduced this week that would make sharing non-consensual AI-generated pornography illegal in the United States and open up new ways, uh, new avenues of recourse for those who are impacted by this. According to Congressman Joe Morrell, this bill aims to make sure that there are both criminal penalties as well as civil liability for anyone who posts, without someone's consent, images of that individual appearing to be involved in pornography. He is the author of the Preventing Deepfakes of Intimate Images Act. So follow follow that. It's It may not necessarily get the huge headlines that some of the other stories uh this week will but that will definitely be worth uh, be worth following kind of interesting stuff uh, a couple of other items here of interest One of the first things you need to know this morning we're getting to the end of the school year the time when um students take it upon themselves to pull pranks <laughs> did you do this when you were in in school uh, the last uh, couple of weeks of, of class, they're always, especially seniors, outgoing seniors, uh, felt free to pull a fast one on their teachers and on their school administrators and so on. Well, a Texas high school student caused quite a stink last week after unleashing a putrid fart spray <laughs> that sent six of his peers to the hospital. Uh, it actually worked a little too well they ended up canceling classes on friday at this uh, school uh caney creek high school um in conroe texas uh local news reports say we we just received notice from caney creek high school due to the hard work of caney creek high school staff and conroe uh police a student confessed to bringing a highly concentrated prank stink spray uh, and set it off in school. As for the consequences, the school district has promised to take swift action and enforce the student code of conduct to its fullest extent. So don't don't do that. The moral of this story, I mean, <laughs> a senior prank or a student prank is one thing, but and sent a half a dozen kids to the hospital and canceled classes for a day. That's, ooh, man. And um, speaking of kids having fun doing things that kids do, I mean, I'm sure with this this story out of Texas, there was no uh, harm intended, and I'm sure it was not what this student uh, intended to do, and I'm, you know, hopefully everybody is okay, but uh, <laughs> it's taking it to an extreme. There is a popular game in one town in New Jersey, Livingston, New Jersey. High school students, um, this is kind of a a tradition. Each year, these high school students uh, play a game for about two weeks, right around this time of year, toward the end of the the year. Uh, These kids run around school, run around town, 
shooting each other with water guns, spraying each other with uh, squirt guns. Local police, though, are asking them to cut it out now because while it is an innocent game, they don't want kids to be confused for criminals and have someone end up getting hurt. I mean, I guess this is a sign of the times that we can't have fun with squirt guns anymore. Maybe it might have something to do with the name that the game has taken on over the years. They call it Assassin. So I can see where the name is a little disconcerting. But isn't that, uh, I mean, a sign of the times, these kids can no longer run around town having fun spraying each other with squirt guns. This is what we have come to uh, in this country. So kind of sad. Anyway, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories, for better or worse, to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, mostly cloudy today, some showers, a high around 70. Showers possible tonight, a low around 50. A man suspected of shooting and wounding two people in Finley in April is in custody. Isaiah Moore was located in Finley, arrested and booked at the Hancock County Justice Center on charges of felonious aggravated assault. The 20-year-old is a suspect in the shooting of two men in a building at 230 East Front Street on the night of April 8th. Both men were treated at Blanchard Valley Hospital for their injuries. Moore has been indicted by a Hancock County grand jury on two counts of felonious assault, a second-degree felony. Get more on the website. The Lima Avenue root beer stand will soon be reopening under new ownership. Stanley Miller, the owner of Miller's Meats, bought the iconic Finley establishment and plans to reopen it under the name Miller's Root Beer and Barbecue. My mother retired from Cooper Tire, so I remember going there as a kid when she used to work in the offices. I used to go over there. I remember the first time going over there and getting the trays, seeing the frosty mugs come out to the cars back when you actually had to roll your windows down like by, by hand. Miller says reopening the root beer stand is an opportunity to keep an artisan business alive and put his own stamp on it while creating new generational memories for people. Miller's anticipating an early June opening. Get more of our conversation with him about the root beer stand on our website. A nice honor for a former wide receiver at Ohio State who passed away at the age of 48. Alpine Drive near Westerville has been renamed and is now Demetrius Stanley Way. Demetrius Stanley was all about his community and trying to make it better. In February, Stanley lost his battle with prostate cancer. After his diagnosis, Demetrius founded a nonprofit called Brave Men, Inc., raising awareness about prostate cancer and the importance of knowing your risk and getting regular screenings. I'm Yolanda Harris. United Way of Hancock County's Spring Days of Caring is happening this week. During Days of Caring, volunteers like Janelle from Marathon take on a variety of projects such as landscaping, organizing, and painting. You know, it's just nice to get out and out of the office for a few hours and help out in the community. Whirlpool, Blanchard Valley Health System, and Marathon are just a few of the corporations that will have volunteer teams helping out with the Spring Days of Caring this week. Remember, you can get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. You know, parents, you may not have given this much thought, but summertime is actually a great 
time to teach kids about managing their money. You think about it. Uh, a lot of teens will get summer jobs. Uh, they're graduating. They're going to get a, a lot of cash gifts, obviously. Maybe they're just trying to save up for a new bike or a trip to the amusement park during the time they're out of school. Or if they're younger kids, maybe it's just a season pass to the municipal swimming pool. Whatever it is, all of these things provide a good opportunity to lay the groundwork and teach kids about taking ownership and control of their own money. Matt Gramada is head of family banking at Chase. Matt, what is a good way for parents to kind of leverage this to start that money conversation? Well, summer's a great time to do this because it might be your kid's first experience having their own source of money, source of income. So the most important thing to do is it is never too early and frankly it's never too late to start these conversations with kids. So here are three quick tips that work for kids of different ages. So first of all, helping your your child or a kid in your life understand the difference between wants and needs. Right? So yeah. you know, the thing you want, that bike, right, that amusement park trip, these are wants, but what do they need? And this is where For younger kids, you'll need to make a little bit more tangible, but it's helpful to talk about how you, the parent, or you, the caregiver, think about needs and what you spend on them, too. Budgeting builds confidence. Now, budgeting doesn't have to be a big, fancy, hard thing. You start with that conversation on wants and needs. You discover a thing your kid wants. Now you've got a way to start talking about, okay, how much does that thing cost? How are you going to plan ahead to get that thing? How much do you need to save to get it? What are you going to forego to do that? These, yeah. are the, these are the simple budgeting conversations that make the difference. It's very simple, and you can start right there. Third and final point, show, don't tell. Kids learn by doing. And so if they have a little bit of money coming in, what a great opportunity to use those opportunities to help them save regularly and spend mindfully. Now, the next question then becomes, uh, what kind of resources can we utilize to sort of help that process along? You know, when we've talked to parents, can't tell you the number of times uh, we hear, gosh, I want my kid to learn everything they need to know about money, but I don't know that I'm the right person to teach them. Yeah. Right? Like, I didn't learn this stuff in school, et cetera. We hear this all the time. And so... We've developed, we at Chase have developed resources for parents. You do not have to be a Chase customer to have these conversations with your kids. So you can go to chase.com slash parents and get all kinds of resources to have conversations about basic budgeting, wants and needs. And also, if your kid's a little bit older, you can find links to budget worksheets or how to improve a credit score. Everything is right there, chase.com slash parents. I was going to ask about that, too, because, again, as we mentioned, uh, one of the uh, big things that happens this time of year when we get into graduation season, a lot of young people are going to be hit with a big influx of cash, gifts for graduation, and and so on. So what uh, advice can you share with recent graduates and their parents, but especially speaking to those recent grads, to kind of help them prepare financially to manage that influx of cash, uh, whether they're you know going uh, into the quote-unquote real world or going on to college, whatever that next step may happen to be? It's a great question because graduation is not only a huge milestone, but 
quite often it comes with a new set of responsibilities. And the temptation to use all of that graduation money right away for something they want, is it's tough. It's tough to say no. And so that's where you can rely on hopefully the conversations you've been having. And if you haven't, don't worry. You can start now. Start with being mindful about being aware of a budget, planning appropriately for the needs. And you can start talking about what are your needs for you know, going into the workforce or if they're going to college, what do those needs look like? Mm -hmm. And then being thoughtful about wants. What are those things that they really want, they'd love to spend on, but how do you start a conversation about how they get there mindfully? So they're planning for it, but still have money left over for all the things they need. Now, you mentioned that a lot of the resources that you have are available, uh, whether or not you are a Chase customer in your uh, your particular uh, situation. But that, that being said, uh, there are account options that can help uh, young people succeed in learning these lessons and setting these goals and so on and so forth. Are there not? There certainly are. And we have spent so much time with parents and kids to learn what works. What we find is there's such differences in the needs of kids by age. So for younger kids, we heard, boy, they want independence. They want to be able to use their own money, whereas and parents want control over it, right? They want the oversight, and they want to protect their kids. So we came up with a product called Chase First Banking. Kids get a debit card. Parents get total control over what and how they spend, and they can receive their allowance through Chase First Banking. They can manage chores, and it's done all through the Chase mobile app, so parents don't need to worry about another place to go, another place to look, all the things right there in the Chase app. And then as the kids age, what we found was most important was giving them a foundation for their future lives. So whether they're in high school, we have high school checking, or heading off to college, we have college checking. These are accounts that have no monthly service fee and offer features like Zelle. So they can pay friends and family directly through their apps and check their balances all from the phone that we know they have in their hands practically 24-7. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I had to kind of chuckle the, the idea of you know just loading up the, uh, the allowance on the, on the card. It's sort of like direct deposit for your allowance. My, how different that was from you, the time that you and I grew up. Um, you know, banking these days uh, online uh, with a lot of these tools is the norm, and young people are certainly comfortable with technology, maybe too comfortable sometimes. What tools are available to make banking not just easy, but also safe? Yeah, I'll give you three. One is... Assuming your bank has these tools in their app or on their website, turn on account alerts. These are alerts you can set based on how much money gets taken out of the account or let's say if a password gets changed, right? Chase has these. I hope your bank does too. They're really important. Make sure your child, your young adult, even you has these things turned on. Mm -hmm. Now to get to two, two tools that make your life easier. Now that it's safe, two tools that make it easier. One is autosave. Building that savings habit is so important, but it's hard, right, to remember and also have the discipline to keep saving. So we created this thing called Autosave. It essentially is a rule that you can set up to transfer a certain amount of money, can even be a buck, every X period of time, every week, every month, every time you get paid, whatever mm -hmm. works for you, you set it once and then you forget it. 
And what happens is the money automatically goes there. You don't need to think about it, and it just starts to accrue. And what a great option for kids yeah. who don't need to worry about thinking about it. The money just accrues. The final one for your older kids, they have questions about their credit score. We hear this all the time. So we have Credit Journey available to Yes Chase customers, but also non-customers. You can check your credit score and find out very specific tactics about how to raise your credit score. All great uh, information there, resources to uh, help lay uh, a solid financial literacy groundwork uh, for our young people. Matt Gramada is head of family banking at Chase. You mentioned the website where you've got a lot of resources uh, that folks can utilize. Let's mention that again. Your listeners can go to chase.com slash student banking. Matt, thanks very much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Chris, thank you so much for having us. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, lawmakers in Ohio made it mandatory that high school students receive a half credit of financial literacy education in order to graduate. That's a great start, but a half credit is by no means comprehensive. And most parents are not filling in the blanks for their teens at home. That's one of the reasons why Edward Jones developed their Financial Fitness Initiative. It's designed to help people who lack information establish and strengthen their financial wellness. Edward Jones financial advisor Joseph Peterson is with us this morning. So what does this program cover in terms of financial literacy? Because honestly, that term casts a pretty wide net. Good morning, Chris. So our financial fitness program helps people who lack information establish and strengthen their financial wellness. We're providing tools to all ages to prepare the next generation and improve financial education, confidence, and resilience. So what this program is going to entail is an in-school investing basics course for teens. That program has resulted in a 55% increase in financial knowledge for those that have taken our course in our community seminars. We're also going to offer an online module where people can go to our website, edwardjones.com, and they'll be able to select a topic that's important to them. So mm. topics like home ownership, shopping for insurance, family conversations about money. Those are all topics that are available and suitable for adults. They're also uh, topics suitable for young adults and, and recent graduates or teens as well. You know, fund the, just providing the fundamental understanding of per- personal finance and investing. Um, and you know, outside of the in-school investing basics course or the online modules for advisors, the program also offers the opportunity to explore the power of budgeting through presentations to adults or teen audiences right there in their community. Um, They can also offer career presentations in local schools so that students can learn more about the financial services industry. I really like uh, the idea of being able to sort of customize this toward uh, the topics that are of greatest interest because, again, that's going to be different for everyone. Financial literacy is a a big topic. Uh, And like you said, and I think it's worth underscoring, uh, today's, as we said, today's high schoolers uh, may be learning the basics in school, but they are often not getting any more than just the bare bones basics. And one reason uh, is that is likely because parents themselves uh, often have some gaps in their knowledge. So this financial fitness initiative program serves more than just high school students. That's correct. That's correct. So 
Since 2020, more than 500,000 learners have gone through our program and increased their financial knowledge, and that's exactly what it was designed to do, help learners of all ages. So our online modules offer a variety of content, ideal for, again, learners of all ages. What we want to do is help our communities build financial knowledge around milestones, anywhere from getting a first bank account to preparing for financial caregiving and anything in between there. So it's a robust initiative that is allowing young and old to get the education and the financial literacy they need to be successful. So what are some of the, as a financial advisor yourself, what are some of the key topics that uh, younger uh, adults, those who are just entering the workforce after graduating either high school or college, um, or, or those preparing for that next step, what should they be focusing on right now? Because obviously we're in a unique position coming out of the pandemic. There are concerns about, you know, are we headed for a recession? How tight is money going to be? We're seeing inflation. We're seeing rising interest rates. So what are some of the financial topics that maybe you would advise young people to focus on right now? Yes. Retirement health is top of mind. So you know, retirement health starts with the goal. When you want to retire, how you want to spend your time, your desired lifestyle. When we think about inflation and kind of the rising cost that we're all experiencing right now, saving for retirement may not be top of mind for many, especially those younger workers. Yeah. But it's a great time to improve your health, even just get it kick-started, the, the, the retirement health, just get it kick-started. So, you know, I have a few tips for those younger individuals, and really it works for individuals of any age, but for main tips here. Okay. One, stick to a budget, have a clear understanding of your current spending and how much impact, how it may impact your future spending. That's critical to achieving your long-term goals. Two is taking advantage of your employer match. If you have a company that offers a 401k or other retirement plan uh, matching contribution, you should contribute at least enough to earn the full match. Three, you want to increase your contributions at least 1% annually. Many employers offer a feature that allows you to automatically increase your contribution each year. It may not seem like 1% is a, a lot, but small increases over a long period of time can have a meaningful impact on your retirement readiness. And then lastly, number four, contribute to an IRA. So if you don't have a retirement plan through your employer you're, or you're already contributing the maximum amount to your retirement plan, mm -hmm. you can increase contributions for, to retirement by contributing to an IRA. And depending on your tax rate, it may make sense to contribute to a Roth IRA. Yeah. Um, I, I, you bring up such a good point, and I think it's worth underscoring that, especially in the environment we find ourselves in now, becomes even more significant to get people started on this early. I mean, it's always earlier the better, uh, but especially right now, starting early uh, can make a huge difference uh, in the long run. Again, uh, Joseph Peterson is an Ever Jones financial advisor uh, talking about the Financial Fitness Initiative. Where do folks learn more and access some of these uh, resources? And by the way, you don't necessarily have to be an Edward Jones customer to access these resources, right? You're right. That's a great point. You don't have to be a customer 
nor do you have to pay anything. It's a free service, and the way you access it, go to our website, edwardjones.com slash financial fitness. Again, free of charge. You don't have to be an Edward Jones client. You don't even have to have a username or password to sign in to the program. You just go to the website, pick the topic that's of most interest to you, and increase your financial knowledge. And get started. That's the most important thing. Joseph, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Chris. So over the course of the coming week, Findlay's Family Resource Center will be transitioning all of their adult and youth services to a single location. It is a newly renovated facility on Carlin Street. Later this afternoon, they are holding an open house at that new location to celebrate their move. And in case you missed it a couple of weeks ago on the program, the CEO of the Family Resource Center, John Bindus, was with us on the program to talk more about the move, which they say will not only save money, but also lead to a higher quality of care and better outcomes. Talk a little bit about how you are operating now and how this will be substantially different. Currently, we're providing our treatment, uh, our medical and recovery and prevention services out of multiple buildings here in Hancock County. Um, I, I, when I came to the organization in 2016, uh, we were operating children's uh, services out of 1941 Carlin. And then within a couple of years, uh, we consolidated our services and took, took on the lines of business of Century Health here in the community, mm-hmm. which which brought adult services under our umbrella. And now we're providing, currently we're providing services for adults out of two different locations, one at uh, 1918 North Main and one at 2515 North Main. So we're looking really, we're excited about the idea of having everything under one roof. Uh, we've completely redeveloped the uh, facility and we're looking forward to have a wonderful place for our clients. So obviously the benefits in only having one location instead of multiple locations from a fiscal standpoint is pretty obvious, but you also talk about the fact that you anticipate this will lead to better outcomes. How so? Oh, definitely. So we've renovated the facility and we're going to have on-site medical services, including a pharmacy, so the clients will be able to utilize the pharmacy at that space. We've added state-of-the-art telehealth spaces that are built in. And the entire facility is a single-level facility, so we don't have stairs, ramps, or elevators, which some of these older facilities have. Uh, we're also very excited about being able to serve the family as a whole at one location. So if a family comes in and an adult member and a child need services, they can do that at the same time. Well, and and that was one of the uh, questions that immediately popped into my mind. Uh, are there any concerns? I mean, you're dealing with, uh, admittedly, some very sensitive uh, topics and issues uh, for both adults and youth. Are there any concerns about having uh, individuals of all ages sort of in, in close proximity? I guess in the back of my mind, I was thinking, is there a reason why these services were separated in the first place uh you know the only reason they were separated was it was two different entities yeah and and now that no longer exists at our other locations uh across the state of ohio we have we have those combined uh, like we will here soon at 1941 carlin so um 
that is uh, certainly a, a good point that uh, the Family Resource Center in Findlay is just one of many locations, actually, for FRC. And so you actually have the the data that tells you that this is going to be a benefit for the clients you serve because it's how you serve uh, individuals in other communities. That is correct. We, we plan on serving over 4,000 clients this next year out of this facility. And that's about 65,000 appointments. And to have it all in one location and be able to uh, service the entire family, it also increases the communication if needed between the different, um, the different clinicians or, or nurses that need to talk about a certain client and work with them. So we're all in one location and we, we you, you, you're just in a much better, uh, uh, you just have a much better opportunity of serving the family as a whole and the client as a whole in one location. This has been maybe uh, kind of digging into the, into the weeds a little bit here on this, but this has been in the works for quite some time, I guess about a year, right? Or more. Actually, uh, we started this in 2018. So it's been wow. five years. Yeah. Uh, we, we worked with the Adamus board here in Hancock County and we applied for a grant with the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. And that took a while to get. And then when we got it, um, a lot of stuff had changed. Like I said, we had uh, picked up different lines of businesses uh, in regards to behavioral health and different facilities. And we didn't know exactly what we were going to do with it. Eventually, uh, we, we got to a point where we felt we could get it all into this facility, which is about 12,000 square foot. And, um, we went ahead and completed the paperwork for the, for the full application. We received the opportunity to use, utilize that money. And at the same time, we were awarded a community, uh, development block grant. I believe it was COVID, some COVID money that had come through and we were able to utilize that as well. So that those two sources combined with our own funding yeah. have put us in a situation where we're able to do this. And you mentioned the number of clients uh, that, that you serve and the number of appointments. And obviously, it's been well documented uh, the need that has arisen uh, out of the pandemic, uh, which obviously is another thing that kind of threw a monkey wrench in, in all of this. But uh, it, it's been well documented uh, that the need is growing. Is this a a, a, a location that allows you the opportunity for growth in the future, continued growth in the future. Uh, in its current state, it does not. It uh, was one of the largest buildings, like I had said, a uh, single level that we could utilize uh, for us to expand from here. We'd have to probably acquire more property. Hmm. Uh, so, but this is exciting for the here and now, obviously, and, and I know that, that your staff and, and clients have been hearing about this for quite some time, but give us kind of the, the lowdown on the, on the process, the timeline on this. When are you moving and what will that look like? We are going to be moving in on the 15th of May. So, uh, our facility will be actively, uh, in use on the 15th of May. That will be one week from today, but today they are holding an open house, inviting the community in to celebrate the opening of the newly renovated Family Resource Center. Again, at their uh, new single location, 1941 Carlin Street is the address. And in case you don't know exactly where that is, it's just past the uh, Hancock County Engineer's Office on Carlin Street off of Lima Avenue on the southwest side of the city. And that open house will be from 3 to 7 today. 
at the uh, FRC. They'll have uh, refreshments and tours and information on uh, mental health and substance use disorder, all kinds of uh, stuff happening again 3 to 7 this afternoon at the Family Resource Center. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A follow-up to a story that we had last week in the broken news. You remember the story about the mounds of pasta that were discovered in Old Bridge, New Jersey, that had been dumped uh, along a a stream? Uh, It was like 500 pounds of spaghetti and macaroni and alphabet noodles and all of this uh, that uh, residents uh, alerted uh, city officials to had been dumped along uh, along the stream. No sauce, no gravy, no cheese, just piles of macaroni and other pasta, according to Mayor Owen Henry. Uh, while it was illegal dumping, the mayor said it was not hazardous. The mess took about an hour to clean up, and now the mystery has been solved. <laughs> because when we had the story, <clears throat> excuse me, we had the story last week, we speculating who would dump 500 pounds of pasta. Uh, just out in the open like that. Well, apparently, uh, the pasta was dumped by a man who is cleaning out his mother's pantry after she passed away. Um, <laughs> apparently, the guy was trying to clear out his parents' house. Uh, they were uh, stocked up from from COVID on <laughs> all of this pasta. And uh, what was weird was it appeared to be cooked that they... They found it, but it turns out that the pasta had just softened after a heavy rain. So it wasn't that it was uh, cooked and somebody uh, dumped the <laughs> cooked pasta. It just uh, it had 500 pounds of pasta, didn't know what to do with it. So mystery solved. Uh, but uh, whoever it was, um, the name of the person who dumped it was not given in the report. But I'm sure that they are uh, going to face fines for illegal dumping and uh, for the cost of cleanup, even though it wasn't a hazardous situation. (laughs) Thank goodness that mystery is solved. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, uh, don't always trust your GPS is the moral of the story. Keep your eyes on the road. Two tourists in Hawaii were following their GPS on Saturday night looking for a manta ray tour. Because they have those in Hawaii. There's, you know, they take you out on a, on a boat and see the manta rays. Um, apparently, they followed the uh, GPS and drove right into Honokoa uh, Harbor. <laughs> they drove right into the harbor in their rental vehicle. Um, one witness said, I think they must have just taken their eyes off the road for a second. And I think everyone is a bit shocked because we saw this car drive straight into the harbor. Uh, the tourists, who were sisters, were helped out of the water by good Samaritans and were not harmed. Um, <laughs> the witness said what was amazing about it is how confidently they <laughs> drove straight into the water, thinking that uh, this was what they were supposed to do. They didn't have a look of panic in their, uh, in their face. They were, they were still smiling. Uh, the vehicle was fully submerged and had to be towed out of the water, so probably... Not going to get their rental deposit back. (laughs) Their rental vehicle. (laughs) But the moral of the story, don't always follow your GPS. Um, 
Speaking of uh, getting lost from the international file, the uh, broken news story about a woman who was lost in lost in the remote bushland of Victoria, Australia, safely rescued after surviving five days on lollipops and a bottle of wine. <laughs> that's, that's all she had: lollipops and a bottle of wine. Um. The according to uh, news reports, the 48-year-old woman, uh, referred to only as Lillian, took a wrong turn while trying to drive to a location, uh, a vacation spot uh, in the Dartmouth uh, area. I guess there's a picnic spot near a dam, and so anyway, that's where she was going. Took a wrong turn, and after hitting a dead end. Her car became stuck while she was trying to turn around. Uh, she was so far out in the bushland, there was no cell phone service, so she couldn't call for help. After her loved ones didn't hear for, uh, from her, she didn't show up for the picnic. Uh, authorities embarked on an extensive search of the area. It took five days. She was found a good uh, 60 kilometers, the report says, which is roughly 40 miles away from the nearest town. And due to health issues, she was unable to try and walk for help, so she just stayed with her car, which they say that's the, the safest thing to do. If you're, if you're lost, just stay with your vehicle, because otherwise you're wandering around as people are trying to find you, and it just uh, creates a whole mess. So she did what she was supposed to do. She stayed with her car, and she's been rescued. She's fine. Survived for five days on lollipops and a bottle of wine. I don't know. For my wife, that might be a vacation. That's <laughs> nothing but lollipops and a bottle of wine. Um, <clears throat> speaking of unusual foods, this uh, also from the international file. Um, apparently, there is a big problem in Israel with American tourists smuggling in fruit roll-ups into the country. Um... Fruit roll-ups, of all things. Apparently, the snack is very hard to find in Israel, and that has prompted American tourists to attempt to smuggle in hundreds of pounds of the sweet stuff. Uh, one American couple tried to bring in 375 pounds of fruit l- roll-ups hidden in their luggage. Custom officials uh, confiscated that, and uh, more than 650 pounds of fruit roll-ups thus far. This is becoming a trend for some reason. Uh, One man who had his snacks confiscated said he was bringing the goods over for his family and uh, that it had something to do with uh, ice cream and a TikTok uh, trend and uh, so on. They wanted fruit roll-ups and they're hard to come by in Australia. So he was taking, or in uh, Israel rather, so he was taking them to his family. But uh, the uh, customs officials said, no, can't do that. Um, apparently, oh, well, illegally smuggling any food stuff into a foreign country is, uh, is a no-no and fruit roll-ups certainly qualifies. So if you're thinking of doing that, don't <laughs> just of all of the things to be smuggling in. Can you imagine ending up in the slammer? What are you here for? I tried to smuggle fruit roll-ups into, <laughs> into the country. Not smuggling drugs or uh, any other uh, form of nasty contraband, just fruit roll-ups. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, 
story about a woman in Jeanette, Pennsylvania, who is being charged with faking her own kidnapping to hide the fact that she dropped out of college. (laughs) Chloe Stein is charged with false alarm to a public safety agency and disorderly conduct. She apparently texted her boyfriend saying that she had been pulled over by police last week and then stopped answering her phone and stopped responding to text messages altogether. A state police trooper said the department spent tens of thousands of dollars in the search for Ms. Stein before a tip came in saying that she was at home. (laughs) She was at a home just 30 miles from Pittsburgh. She was just hanging out. Investigators learned from Penn State University officials that Ms. Stein had not been enrolled as a student for over a year, and what would have been her graduation was coming up. She was embarrassed. Didn't want to tell her friends and family that she had dropped out of college, so she faked her own kidnapping. Yeah, that does seem a bit extreme. Um, (laughs) There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. And now your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So in recent years, the proliferation of digital banking tools has led to many institutions scaling back the number of physical locations they operate. We see it here uh, in, in Findlay. Um, Huntington uh, recently closed their uh, North Main Street uh, branch. Uh, Chase used to have, what, a half a dozen locations around town. Now they're down to two. Branches across the country have been closing in droves, but perhaps these banks might want to reconsider reconsider that strategy. A new survey finds that when it comes to finances and banking, people across all generations actually prefer interacting with humans. 83% in this survey said that they prefer using a physical bank for their financial needs. Uh, One-third of people, 36%, say they only use physical banks, ditching the digital options completely, including 40% of Gen Zers, uh, 34% of baby boomers, which I thought was interesting. I would have guessed that the baby boomer numbers would have been much, much higher uh, using physical banks, but only 34% of baby boomers, 40% of Gen Zers. In comparison, only 10% overall said that they would rather use just a digital bank with no physical presence. Kind of flies in the face of the trend in the banking industry. Those who prefer physical banking locations say that they like having the confidence that their transactions are being handled correctly. 60% said that's the number one reason. 51% just prefer being able to talk to a human. Four in five, 79%, of digital bank users wish that their banks offered some of the perks 
that traditional physical banks already have, such as the 45% of them that wish online banks offered the ability to talk to humans for customer support. And of all of the respondents surveyed, and this was a survey of about 1,800 people with bank accounts, of all of the respondents, Gen Z would rather talk to the humans, would rather talk to humans the most, 60%. And again, maybe ironically, only 28% of baby boomers said that they would prefer to interact with actual humans. <laughs> only 28%. Anyway, bottom line, this uh, survey was commissioned by the marketing research firm User Testing, which concluded that, in reality, there is an open space in the banking industry for hybrid institutions. Both digital and traditional banking platforms have their exclusive benefits, but there is a clear want and need among customers for institutions to exist in both physical and digital worlds, providing the shared perks that uh, both can offer. Again, Kind of flies in the in the face of the trends in the banking industry scaling back their physical locations. It's cost-saving move. Certainly easier to provide an app and maybe an ATM for those times you have to handle cash. But uh, physical locations still preferred by large number of customers. <laughs> So in the past week, we've been talking about summer travel season as people get ready to head off on their vacations. And cruises are obviously very popular vacation options. And most of the time, when you think about taking a cruise, you think about sailing out of um, maybe Miami or some southern port or some someplace on the West Coast, perhaps. Well, MSC Cruises, which happens to be the fastest growing cruise line in the world, is now making New York City it's home for the first time ever. And joining us this morning is award-winning travel writer and expert Laura Begley-Bloom. So what is uh, so significant uh, about offering trips directly from New York City? What does that bring to the table? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, um, there's a lot of growth happening in the United States right now with MSC Cruises. Um, and they've got these modern glamorous ships that are sailing from an increasing number of ports like New York City. Um, and they're going to be sailing year-round on the MSC Maravilla out of the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. And I have to say, I live in Brooklyn, so this is really exciting for me because this means that I can take a cruise all year round. <laughs> um, and and going, to great, going to great places, too, which I'd love to tell you all about. So, uh, talk a little bit about this, uh, this ship and, and what some of the uh, features on this, because it is uh, really uh, fabulous from what I'm told. It is. Um, it's, you know, the MSC Maravilla, I've sailed it before, and I, so I can tell you firsthand, it really is fabulous. Uh, they've got 12 dining venues with cuisine from around the world. There's also at the heart of the ship something called the Galleria Maravilla that is lined with restaurants and shops, and it hosts parties every night, and there's so much to do on the ship. They've got a full-size bowling alley on this ship. They've got an aqua park. They've got Broadway-style theater and one of the largest spas at sea. Uh, and where do you sail to when you're sailing from uh, the port of New York? Yeah, well, when you're sailing out of New York City, there are a lot of options for itineraries. You can go to beach destinations like Bermuda and the Bahamas and Florida. Um, one spot not to miss is the Ocean Key MSC Marine Reserve, which is MSC's private island. And this is all about sustainability and protecting the marine wildlife and restoring the ocean's 
coral. Um, the ship also does longer voyages from New York City, starting at 10 nights into the heart of Canada and New England. Hmm. So I, what I love about this is, again, we... I guess it makes sense when you really think about it, sailing uh, in and out of New York, um, you know, being right there uh, on the uh, on the ocean. But we don't think about that. Is that one of the uh, uh, trends for the cruising industry is kind of thinking out of the box uh, like that in terms? Well, yes. of, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think cruises are definitely thinking out of the box. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of larger ships that offer so much more than they used to um, and and can take on any kind of weather. Um, in fact, the MSC Maravilia is something that's called a ship for all seasons. And so she offers indoor and outdoor activities that you can enjoy any time of the year, like a pool with a retracting roof. Uh, so no matter what the weather is, you can go to the pool. And there also is a great kids club with spaces for babies and teens. And then when the water's warm, there are water slides and there's a rope course with a 195 feet above the water. Well, that was actually going to be one of the other questions that I was going to ask. Uh, again, sailing out of New York, this is obviously a cold weather uh, port or a cold weather uh, spot. Does that present any challenges in terms of getting in and out? Because you mentioned this is a year-round thing. I mean, it is a year-round thing. So you're going to be able to go any time of the year, um, you know, on these different voyages. And no, no. I mean, you know, in New York City, I mean, I, I got to tell you, this past year, we didn't have any snow the whole year. Well, that's true. But it's a pretty, <laughs> right? So it's not like you need a ship that's an icebreaker that's going to go through, you know, ice flows. Um, so, but, you know, but the, ship, but the ship really can, you know, no matter what the weather is, um, can make its way through it. Um, and as I said, since they have so many indoor and outdoor spaces, yeah. um, it, there really is something to do at any time of the year. And there's something for everyone on the ship. Well, and then uh, beyond just the cruise itself, I mean, if you're going to New York to catch your cruise, then you can also double that up and spend a little bit of time uh, in the city itself. And obviously, that's a great destination uh, with or without a cruise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the reasons why MSC, I was talking to the, you know, the head of the cruise line uh, recently, and he was talking about why they decided to come to New York. And a lot of people who take their cruises are these cultured cruisers, they call them, that love to have, you know, that Broadway style theater, great restaurants, and they want to be in sort of culturally amazing, enriching places like New York City. Uh, so they're adding on time and you know, and spending a few days exploring Manhattan. And I got to tell you, the MSC Maravilla is in the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal, which is in one of the coolest neighborhoods in New York City. It's an area called Red Hook. And there are cool galleries and restaurants and bars. And it's a, fun, it's a really fun place to be able to explore before you get on your cruise. So there you go. If you're looking for something a little bit different, something unique, maybe something you haven't done before, you can check out one of these uh, cruises uh, out of New York City, MSC uh, Cruises. Again, uh, award-winning travel writer and expert Laura Begley-Bloom with us this morning. Where do we get more information, Laura? Yeah, well, if you want to book some cruises out of New York City to Bermuda, Bahamas, Florida, Canada, or New England, you can go to mscruises.com. We'll link it up on our webpage as well. Laura, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program today. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show for National Hospital Week, Blanchard Valley Health System CEO Myron Lewis will join us to talk about how the healthcare industry is finding a new normal in the post-pandemic era. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.